found myself sort of like in this little bit of a, uh, not, not like a rut, but every day on my way to work. I'm not sure if this is on. Is it on? Yeah, it's on. Um, but I, I found myself in this little bit of a rut. You know, every day on my way to work, I pray. It's sort of like my, my routine is to pray on the way to work. And, I, you know, I don't know if you guys do this, but sometimes when you pray, you find yourself like just sort of saying these lines that you get used to. And um, and so I found myself kind of doing that, not really knowing what I was saying. So I started doing this thing where I'm just sort of picturing. It's a little weird. I'll just be the one to be weird. But, you know, like really picturing Jesus sort of sitting next to me there. And uh, and it's been really good for for my, my prayer life, really, because it feels like I'm actually talking to a real person, which I am. And um, But it, it's also been kind of funny because I've been asking a lot of questions and I pause for a minute, like he's going to answer. And um, but anyway, so I, I so I've been I've been saying a lot of things about the traffic too. Like I'm I'm talking, but then I'm like God, I hate sitting at these red lights. And <laughs> that's my prayer. But uh, but anyway, I had to stop myself this morning because you know. Uh, so I I was talking about the sheriff or the the chief of police. And by the way, did I get it right? Chief of police, Tim Walker. I get it right. Okay. So anyway, but I was almost like, what's his name again? <laughs> Anyway, I don't know. So I'm not very funny, and that didn't really make sense. But that was just me telling you what I was doing there. I just wanted to make sure I got his name right. So, um, Also, you should know other things that I didn't write down that I should not say because they never go off well. But sometimes I leave here, and, and I said some things that were really funny, and, and I'm like, you know, I'm going on LinkedIn to look at comedian jobs, you know, because I'm so funny. And then other times I leave here, and I just want to delete my browser history so nobody knows that I looked that up because it was so not funny. Um, anyway, yet another thing that wasn't funny that I just thought I'd share with you. Okay, oh, let's move on. How's brutal? Uh, it's a pretty fun time to live in New Orleans. Kelly's rocking the shirt right here for the East Bank, uh, you know, for our uh, our Little League champions. You've been following that. That's pretty fun. I haven't watched Little League baseball since I was in Little League. So that was pretty fun. I watched yesterday. And uh, those kids, you know, you see those lanky kids with braces and baby faces, and they're walking up there just hitting home runs. And that was pretty cool. I mean, and I'm, 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 I'm getting close to striking out in softball. You know, I'm getting closer every year. And these kids are so good. Um, so that was pretty cool. I'm, I'm watching today again at 3. That's been pretty fun. The other thing that's been really fun in New Orleans, you guys know what it is. What's what's all the buzz right now? Popeyes is better than Chick Fil A, huh? <laughs> Popeyes is better than Chick Fil A for maybe the first time ever, and and that's pretty exciting. I read somebody, I read somewhere, somebody said Popeyes is better than Chick Fil A now. New Orleans is officially better than Atlanta at everything. Huh? That's pretty good. So it's a good time to be in New Orleans, but also. Um, there's a, a big storm in the uh, Atlantic that they think is going to cross over into the Gulf, and it may become nothing. It may be something, so that's sort of on the horizon. Uh, they told us that the pumps were working, everything was working well, and then this week they pulled a whole car out of the out of the canal, and so you know that's going to be a problem. I'm sure there are a couple more down there. This week was up. Next week may be down. Such is life. We've been digging into our emotions, and, and not really to solve all of our emotional problems, but just to dig a little bit a little bit deeper, go down one layer, and just try to address the heart issues that lead to some of those emotions. Not really to be our best selves, even though that would be a great result, but not really to be our best selves, but, but really 
to honor God the most with our lives? So we've sort of been digging through this for that. Um, life's ups and downs bring a lot of different emotions. Extreme joy, you know, the birth of a child, extreme joy. Extreme pain, the same event. <laughs> lots of different, lots of different emotions. Extreme frustration. The kid that you have turns 13. I'm told that's extreme frustration. Um, you are that kid. You turn 25 and you realize that this is life. <laughs> And instead of all the dreams that you have, now your dreams are keeping houseplants alive and not having roommates. And so that's extreme depression. And so all kind of different emotions come through all different parts of life. And we walk through envy, and we walk through anxiety, and today we dig into anger. I read a story when I was, when I was prepping this week about an elderly couple and, and the, the husband never seemed to get mad and so they were older and the wife was apologizing for all the things, all, all the time she'd flown off the handle and all that kind of thing and, and she says, how do you not get mad? And he says, well, it's, I have one thing, when, when I'm really mad, I want to fly off the handle, I just go clean the toilet. And she says, and that really works for you? That, that makes you feel better? And he says, yeah, it does because I use your toothbrush. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, have you ever done something in anger that you wish you could take back? I've known some people in anger to quit a job and then very quickly regret that. I've known some people in anger towards their spouse to have an affair. Uh, I know in anger we've yelled at our kids. Maybe in anger you've done something just this week that you're not super proud of. Sometimes we think about things we've done in anger and we're really proud of them. Some of our best stories come in moments when we were the most angry. Maybe you quit a job and that's a great story that you love in anger. Maybe you punched an obnoxious parade gro- parade goer that took your spot in anger. I have seen that happen. And there are all kind of things that we do as a result of our anger. And even if you're not the outburst type, don't fool yourself. You're, you're likely still someone who has some anger. Sometimes people that aren't outburst people tend to just withdraw our presence as if we're God. <laughs> um, you, you will not see my face anymore. And, and sometimes that's how other people deal with anger. You stop answering calls. You, you become a little bitter towards someone, and then that bitter becomes sarcasm, and then it becomes avoidance, and then it just becomes all-out disdain for that person and everything that they stand for. And so anger comes out in all kind of different ways. A counselor made a list just in case if you weren't sure how angry you really are, because you're one of those people that holds it inside. This uh, counselor made a list of ways to know that you're passively holding on to anger. The idea that out of the mouth comes the overflow of the heart. And so he makes this list. This one is kind of meddling a little bit. See if you say some of these. It says here are a few statements. One, do you ever say, I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. Anybody say that? You say it with your teeth clenched. I'm not angry. Um, that's a big one. Why can't I have a bad day without it being a big deal? Why can't I just have a bad day? Uh, this one? Oh, and I guess you never make mistakes. Anybody say that one? Uh, you're being too sensitive. I think that one. And I'll say that one as much. Um, I'm sick of being the only one who ever says I'm sorry. So I stopped saying it. Uh, sorry to unload on you, but I need to vent. 
And if you're saying a lot of those things, and if those feel like like much of your vocabulary, you're probably hanging on to more anger than you're giving yourself credit for. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22, Ephesians 4.22 is what we're going to read today, talks about anger, and, and it's, it's really rich. And I'll bet that if you've never really, really dug into anger from a biblical standpoint, if you've never done that, I'll bet you that this is different than what you thought previously about anger. And if you never really looked at it, I bet you'll be a little bit surprised about seeing anger from a real God perspective. So Ephesians chapter 4, we're starting 22, read all the way to 32. It says, You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And then here's the key verse here, verse 26. It says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benef- that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then verse 31, another key part. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ in God forgave you. There's an interesting thing here, and I, I didn't—I wrote it down in my notes, but I don't think I put it anywhere in here. Um, so I'll try to articulate it well because I didn't write it down, and it never goes well. But if you notice, there's a piece in there where at the beginning he says, um, "In your anger, do not sin." And you heard this verse. There, there's, there's this other verse that says, "Be slow to anger." And then, so first they say, "Be slow to anger," or "In your anger, do not sin," saying like you can be angry. And then you get to the end, and it says, um, "Get rid of all anger." And so this is one of those paradoxes that you look at scripture, and it says, "Well, can you be angry, or can you not be angry?" And so, um, and so, actually, I'll hold that. But it's interesting. This is where, and in, in when we talk about, if if you go to seminary, you take a Greek class and a Hebrew class, and you dig a little deeper into language. And this is why some of that stuff is so important, because a verse that looks like it says this this exact contradiction is actually uh, saying something very rich that's very good that's not at all a contradiction. But so, I'll I'll, I'll name the key point, and then then I'll I'll tell you how that's not necessarily saying something different. But I want to key in on, on one part of, of this to begin with, one part of this passage, and it's this idea of putting on your new self. So he says, he says in the very first part, put on the new self. That phrase literally, most literally means, um, it's, it's like the acting out of your inner self. So what he's saying is, when you became a follower of Christ, you were made new, and you should begin to act that out. You should begin to put that on. And so what he's saying is, as you put that on, these are some of the things that you should do differently. And then he gets into anger, and then he gets into lying, and then he gets into a whole lot of other things, uh, a whole lot of other things that you should do if you're going to really act out your faith. And one thing that he says is, he says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And you know you did it. Did you do it? I did it when I first read it. You started singing, don't let the sun... 
Anybody else? You want to finish it? No? Yeah, anyway. So that was me. Um, but yeah, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Uh, here, here's the idea. Here's the really interesting point, and this is the meat of the discussion of this whole thing. But, he, but what he's saying is, he's saying, number one, be angry sometimes. That's a biblical idea. Be angry sometimes. Because there's a good anger and a bad anger. So be angry sometimes, but make sure that you're the good angry. So be angry sometimes, but be the good angry. And the second thing he says, we'll get to in a minute, is don't be angry very long. That's the idea of not letting the sun go down on your anger. I, I read someone, and they said, if you really if you really want to be literal about the Bible, and, uh, and you really are angry, but you don't want to be wrong, you can move to Alaska, and you can be angry for about six months, and, uh, and then when the sun goes down, at least you get a lot more time to not be angry. But that's not really the idea. But, but the first thing he says is be angry. So I told you that there, there's one place where it says be angry and another place where it says get rid of all anger. This is where that sort of rich study comes in. But the first anger is word 3209. I'm pretty sure that's right in, in the Greek lexicon. Um, but that one is, is actual anger, like, like, like it's okay to be angry, to feel an emotion. It's okay to, to, to be angry about something for a little while. That, that part's okay. The second angry where it says get rid of it, that's an anger that is acted out. And so that's word 3210 in the Greek lexicon. Um, but that one's talking about what we do with our anger. So he says it's okay to be angry. The difference is, is, is don't act out in the negative way in your anger. And that's the piece that you want to get rid of. But so, so what he says is be good angry. So, so then the question is how do I be good angry? Because I can be angry. I'm just not sure if I'm doing it the good way. And, and so first, the first thing I want to do is look at how Jesus was angry. And this is a place where if you were surprised that I said it's good to be angry, then you'll be even more surprised here um, when you see how Jesus got angry. So there's this, there's this place in Matthew chapter 21 where Jesus comes in and, and you've got these money changers in the temple and they're doing this really awful thing where people are coming to, they're coming to the temple and, and they're trying to um, get money changed so that they can, so that they can worship and, and give tithe and that kind of thing. And you got people that are sort of unscrupulously stealing their money who are supposed to be working in the temple and helping them, you know, pay the temple tax and that kind of thing. So Jesus comes in, sees people working at the temple, doing this awful thing, and what does he do? He sits all these unscrupulous people down, and there's some real stern finger-wagging and a very peaceful protest, and, uh, and that's how Jesus deals with challenging people. Here's what he actually does. Jesus makes a, uh, he sits in the corner for a little bit, I'm sure, and he grabs some, some different cords that are, that are used there in, in the uh, marketplace, and he fashions a whip out of these cords. And he starts walking around to all the people who are doing this, and it says he's like cracking this whip and throwing tables over. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Jesus is someone who never sinned. And so that means that, that, that this was a good acting out in anger. And, and that may be something that surprises you. I would not encourage you to get angry and fashion a whip and go whip people. I think that would probably not turn out very well for you. And if you get fired for doing that, I will not vouch for you. But this is what Jesus does. He was sinless. He didn't go back to his disciples later and say, you know, I was really out of hand. I should have used my words there. Don't do as I say, or don't do as I do, do as I say. 
No, he didn't have to do any of that because he was exactly right. You know what happened right after Jesus did this? Right after he does that and he gets all these people out of the temple, um, right after all that happens, all of these sick people and these lame people run to him because they see that, that Jesus is somebody who is doing good. They don't say, don't go see Jesus today. <laughs> He's in a real mood. You know, I mean, it may be better to be lame than to be whipped by Jesus with this whip that he's walking around with. No, none of that. Man, they see, everybody can tell that this is a good thing that he's done. This is really good anger. But if we're not going to walk around and whip people, but we see that there is good anger and it can look a whole lot of different kind of ways, what does that look like? So I think you can pull a couple things from Jesus here specifically. And the first thing that I'll say is to be angry, yeah, be angry about the right things. So the first thing to check yourself on is, is am I angry about the right things? Somebody that you love hurts themselves. Ever been mad at someone who continually harms himself, and you're mad and you're angry because you love them? That's good anger. Be angry about the right things. Your spouse isn't investing in your marriage. You can be angry about that. That's a good one. Your kids stay out too late and put themselves in danger. I remember, man, I the most I feel like the most trouble I ever got in was one time that I was I was supposed to stay out till like midnight or something, and I stayed out till like two in the morning. And when I got home, I thought my dad was going to kill me right there. <laughs> what good does it do to come home if you're just going to kill me when I get here? Um, he's just so incredibly mad. But that's a good anger because I, you know he had no idea where I was and I wasn't safe, and and that's good anger. Uh, people do harm to other people. People do harm to other people. That's good anger. You get mad about that. That's a good thing. People defame and, 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 and put down the name and the character of God. And if that makes you angry, that's good anger. Because those are bad things. For one, it's making sure that we're angry about the right things. And secondly, it's making sure that our anger is acted out restoratively. Making sure that our anger gets acted out restoratively. So here's what happens in my life sometimes. Um, we'll be driving uh, on a long trip, and I usually take the wheel. And so, uh, and and I'll be talking to Jess, and then I'll look over there, and she's texting. Does that drive anybody else crazy? Yeah, that drives me crazy, you know. And uh, it's not like it's my teenager, and I've come to expect it. It's my wife, and and so she'll be she'll be. T- and by the, I thought she was going to be in here when I was telling this story, so. You can tell her. I'm not talking bad about her behind her back. But anyway, she'll be texting, and then she'll look up after I've been talking, and she'll say, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and then and then I'm like, you know, just forget it. I get real petty about it, and it really bothers me, and I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not giving her. She's like, oh, don't be a baby. Me don't be. You don't be a baby, you know. And it's this real ugly, petty thing, and I just cannot let it go. And then I find myself... Not long after that, when she drives, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to check some scores. <laughs> and I re- I'm doing the exact same thing, and she wants to have a conversation, and I don't care what she's talking about, at least not at this particular moment. You know, just like I was talking about something at work that I'm sure she doesn't care about, and, and I'm doing the exact same things, but I'm getting real petty about it, and I want to say, I want to act like this is righteous anger. You know, I'm, I'm mad because you should invest in our relationship, you know, and you should listen to me, and we should listen to each other. But really, I'm just, you hurt my ego because you didn't care about what I had to say. It's not a bad anger if, if what I'm really worried about is, is that we're talking to one another. 
But it's a real poor acting out because I'm not trying to be restorative at all. I just want you to feel bad because you were wrong. And so, so acting restoratively is, is doing something that, that my response and my anger tries to make things better, not make things worse. That, that's, that's restoratively acting out that anger. When family tramples us, you know, or, or when, when they trample someone else in the family and you have a challenging person in your family, how does it look to, to respond restoratively to that? I think whether it's family or whether it's somebody in the office or whether it's somebody you know that does something really negative, how do you act out restoratively? I think, first of all, you don't gossip. You don't gossip and you don't isolate the person. I think sometimes when somebody does something wrong to us and nobody really gives us the time of the, the time of day and then they go do something wrong to someone else, you know what our tendency to do is to come over here and just, you know, kind of stir the pot a little bit. <laughs> And be like, now you're all going to feel it. And we're just going to be real. We're, we're not going to be restorative at all. And our anger about what someone did to us and the fact that nobody heard us out about it, we're just going to love the fact that now everybody else is getting it. And so the idea, the way to be restorative, is, is, is the really hard thing of, of not going to the person and saying, you know, uh, I'm, I'm here to help you walk all over me. The restorative thing is to say, when you're ready to stop, I'm ready to get started. And that's really all I've got to say. And I can't have you walk all over me, and I can't, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. But when you're ready to stop this thing that you're doing that's hurting you and that's hurting other people, I'm ready to begin with you again. And what you're doing right now makes me so mad and so angry, and, and I, can't even, I can't even be in front of you in this moment. But, but I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for me as I pray for you that I can do that with integrity, and I'll be here when you're done. And that's coming restoratively, and that's not, that's not me giving up every piece of dignity that I have, but it's me saying, I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging that I'm angry, I'm acknowledging that what you're doing is wrong, and I'm, and I'm trying to be restorative, that at some point, this can be good again. Does that always fix the problem? Often not, especially not right away. Do I have to fix the problem? Is that part of, of, of good restorative anger? Not at all. You don't have to fix the problem in order for it to be good. Romans twelve seventeen says this. It says, Repay no one evil for evil. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do you get that? What he says is, your goal in your anger is as much as it is up to you, live peaceably. That means there's a peace that you can do, and then there's a whole bunch more that you can't do. And that's your role in being restoratively angry. Here's what's pretty interesting. When you do that, this is, some of you are going to love this. When you do that, in your anger, you respond with forgiveness. When you do that, look what happens. This is the rest of that Romans 12. It says, um, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. So don't, don't try to get revenge yourself. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. All the things you don't want to do for your enemy. You know, do all the good things for them when they've done all the bad things for you. And for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. When you are good to your enemies... 
You will heap burning coals on their head. And some of you are like, heap burning coals. <laughs> now that's the kind of thing that I wanted to do. So I'm on board for this part. But most obviously it's a metaphor. And, and, and what it's saying is, you're going to, by being good when someone is awful to you, one of two things happening. It says you, you heap burning coals on their head and either it wakes them up and they say, I can't believe that I was so bad when you were so good. And they come to a place of repentance. Or secondly, they're sitting there with coals burning on their head and it's very awful for them. And it's an awful thing. And, and so the idea is, you don't have to right the wrong. God is going to right the wrong. And Sometimes we feel like we've been trampled on if we forgive. And, and, and have we been? Sometimes. But that's okay, because God is, is keeping track, and God is going to right the wrong for those people that never come around. That's why it literally says, it doesn't say, say vengeance is wrong, it just says it belongs to the Lord. And so you don't have to right the wrong, but you do have a role to play, and, and you can rest in knowing that God will correct the wrongs. So be angry, but be good angry. And secondly... Don't be angry long. And, and some people would say, how on earth, after what's been done to me, after what continues to happen to me, can I not be angry long? And I could name a bunch of scenarios, but you can cook them up in your own head because they happened to you, about things that have happened that it's hard to not be angry about. And the only way, and the only way, and this is all throughout Scripture, especially here, the only way that you can be free from anger is to forgive. Some people say that, that when you don't forgive, maybe you've heard this, uh, not forgiving someone and, and holding forgiveness because you're angry at them is like drinking poison and, and trying, to, is trying to punish someone else by drinking poison yourself. The only person that you really hurt when you don't forgive is yourself. You're not hurting the other person. You only hurt yourself. But even as I say that, I recognize this reality. I recognize that, that people struggle with what forgiveness looks like. I struggle with what forgiveness looks like. And I think there are three primary ways that we struggle with forgiveness. Um, the first one is, is, is some of us, and in some situations, we believe that we should forgive, but we just can't find, find our way to do it. And so that, that's the one way we struggle. We know that we should, but this is just an area that it's hard to do that in. Second, the second way we struggle is, is, is we feel like letting the offender off the hook would be wrong. You know, they deserve, they don't really deserve forgiveness, and that would be the wrong thing to do for them. And the third way that we struggle is, and this, this is true for me, is, is when you've gone through all the, the, all the motions of forgiveness, and you've walked through it, and you said, I forgive you, but the memories keep coming back, and you keep having trouble being in the presence of that person, and you wonder then if you've really forgiven at all. And in all those ways that, that we struggle, I think here's a truth that will help you at all of those stages. And a truth that will help you as you walk through all of those different stages, at different things, you respond differently. But a thing that will help you is remembering this. It's remembering that you were first a sinner, and then you were sinned against. First a sinner, and then sinned against. See, the idea is you've been forgiven of far more than you've been asked to forgive. 
You and I have been forgiven of far more than we've been asked to forgive. And you may say, well, somebody did something terrible to me and I've never done anything that terrible to anybody else. And that may be true, but consider this reality. God forgave you of all your sins for all time before you committed them without regard to what sins you may commit. He completely forgave you of all your sins for all time before you committed them without reservation as to what they may be. Is that not incredible? The way you've been asked to forgive, I'm sorry, the way you've been forgiven is far greater than the way you've been asked to extend forgiveness. And so we've been forgiven in such a greater way. Not being angry, an interesting thing is is not being angry for a long time, the idea of not letting your anger sit, but instead forgiving. This is a good test to know whether or not your anger is good or bad. If you're if you can let go of your anger quickly, that was good anger. If you can't let go of your anger quickly, then that's probably bad anger. And you're either worried about your ego, you're loving yourself too much, you're loving your own reputation too much, or you're loving something else too much, and your anger has, has switched from good anger and it's become selfish anger. So be good angry. Be good angry, and don't be angry long. Forgiving to move on. And ultimately what we're saying in all this, ultimately we're saying in both of those things is this, is just to be angry like Jesus. Be angry like Jesus. Not a prisoner to anger. Any of you guys ever played that game where you're in the grocery store and you see the person you're angry at? And now all of a sudden, you know, you're going to aisle 10, back to aisle 7, and you're kind of walking to the register like this. Anyone ever done that? I have not done that, just, but only because in my anger I'm determined to not do that. <laughs> And, and I, and I, you know, sometimes I'm real negative. I, I, I try to look for the person who I'm angry with, and I want to confront them in the aisle just to make it awkward and weird, because I know they'll hate it. Sorry, I'm real petty. I already told you I was petty. I can be petty. Um, but, man, sometimes we get in this real prison in our own anger, in which there are people in our own community, we feel like, oh, I don't really want to go there, because you know who's going to be there. And we imprison ourselves with this anger, and man, that's obviously not a Jesus anger. And it puts ourselves in prison. And, and sometimes we hang on to it for years. You ever seen somebody from high school who's a real mean girl in high school? And then you see them and you're like, oh, I can't stand her. And you're 50 now. And it's like, clearly they're not the same person. Or maybe they are, but who cares? I got a letter. I got a letter. Nobody sends letters anymore. I got a, a, a Facebook message from a girl I went to high school with, and um, and and she wrote me a, a, a long, long message about something that my dad said to her dad 10 years ago. And she was mad, mad. And I started to be like, you know, I had a great response. It was the comedian in me, but the real sarcastic one. And uh, and then I paused for a day, and then I wrote back a great one. And I, I was so restorative and redemptive, and I was like, she's going to get on her knees and thank Jesus and become a believer as soon as she reads this. And I hit send, and she blocked me. <laughs> it was so deflating. But that's that's bad anger. And, 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 and that's, that's not angry like Jesus. Rather than that, let your anger lead to restoration. Let your anger prompt you to good action. You're, you're, if, are you angry at, at human trafficking? You know, if you follow that and some things that are social, some things that are out there in the media that you see a lot and they make you angry, let that anger lead you to volunteer to make a change. That's good restorative anger. Anger at, at 
at your children's rebellion, man, let that be your call to, to lead them more and more in faith. And let your anger turn you to do something restorative. And also in being angry like Jesus, let's make sure that we're people that are forgiving and letting go. Not righting all the wrongs. Because saying I'm I'm going to forgive someone and then trying to I'm going to forgive someone and let it go and then trying to right all the wrongs is is while you're forgiving you're still hanging on to it. Not doing that, but forgiving and letting go, trusting God to do what you cannot, and then letting it go. Let me pray. God, in this moment, I I thank you tremendously and infinitely for forgiving me in the way that you have. And God, I pray that I would be a person who would extend forgiveness and just let go of the bad anger that holds me captive sometimes. And I pray collectively that we would do that, that in this moment, as we maybe sort of think of the person or the situation that we're angry about, I pray that collectively we would give it to you and say, God, this needs a resolution, and I trust that you'll see it through. And I'm letting it go. And I'm not letting this imprison me anymore. I'm not letting this do that to me anymore. I'm giving it to you, and I'm going to let my good anger stay good. And I give it to you. Amen.